So this summer, we have been giving lots of examples of how music uh, really brings life truly to life. That what would life and time in the summer be like without music? I have one more example that happened last Saturday. Um, I did something kind of, some of you are going to say I was crazy, some of you are going to say, what were you thinking, Pastor Mark? But I'm, I'm here to tell you that last Saturday, I spent the entire day behind bars <laughs> with 400 of my new closest friends. All day behind bars, and not in the way that you think. I want to show you a picture from that day. This was on Saturday, um, behind the handlebars. Um, in fact, I was crazy enough to sign up for what is known as ODORAM. It, it's an acronym for One Day Ride Across Michigan. And, and my day consisted of looking toward the pavement for over nine hours and constantly looking for this symbol. I want to show you the symbol. That symbol. Um, it's the ODORAM directional signage that they spray paint on all the roads for the entire 144 miles of the ride and um, so we come up to an intersection and you look for the directional symbol do we turn here do we go straight here do we turn left here uh, are we in the right place or are we lost and in the entire day we spent looking for these orange directional symbols and, and they did a wonderful job marking the course they were everywhere truly everywhere if you can imagine spray painting directional signage like that on pavement over 144 miles, that's a pretty big job, especially when a few days before they learned that the county highway department went and seal-coated a road and they had to go back and hit that again. But amazing, amazing route. I'll show you the route. Um, this is where we went. We started on the, the west coast over on Lake Michigan in the little town of Montague near Whitehall, just north of Muskegon there. That bay there achieves a few miles of going across because that's technically water from Lake Michigan in that bay. If you ask me, I agree. It is. Um, and then we ended up in Bay City. And um, I, I want you to know I never thought I could do this, but I've been working on it and, and for the last couple of years say I want to do this ride. And what an experience. Uh, to spend the day, we raised uh, money for juvenile diabetes research, and just a phenomenal community experience. But one of my favorite parts, outside of the fact that I didn't die, uh, over those, that was a joke, um, that's a long way, guys. Um, my favorite part is that as we rode along, and a friend of mine named Mark and I rode together, um, there was a, another guy along the route, and we passed him, I'm going to say maybe six times, just the way the rest of stops happened along the way over those nine hours. Um, there's a guy who had a, a bike helmet that looked like a watermelon. And, and what was funny about him, beyond other things, is that he clearly didn't wear sunscreen because as the day wore on, he got more and more red and he looked like a watermelon. Um, but the best part about it is he had a, one of those Bluetooth speaker cylinders and he had it in one of his bottle cages. And he had it hooked up to his phone with an incredible battery source. He was pumping up the volume on, on music all day long. And it was crazy. You could hear him a mile behind you or a mile coming up ahead. And, and he just made a smile. Because one time we passed him, he was playing Metallica. Another time he was playing Madonna. And, and another time he was playing Vivaldi's Four Seasons, classical music. I mean, it just brought a smile to our face. But this guy was in the zone. I mean, here he is going 144 miles across the state, and he's in his own world of music. And we were kind of drawn in to that world a few times. In fact, one time, 
we really wondered if we were lost because we hadn't seen one of those yellow symbols for quite a while. And we were asking each other, I hope we didn't miss a turn. And we came up over a hill and, and there was a cyclist ahead of us. And as we got within 300 yards of him, we could hear the music. We're like, clearly, he's with our group. We're not lost. It's amazing how that works. Great memory and a great day. I bring all that way as way of introduction today because our inspired song from God's Word today, Psalm 25, is a song inspired about the journey of life. David is writing about a concern that we would take the wrong turn in our world, in our life. And it's not like just some, some leisurely bike ride across the state. There's a lot more riding on the right directions on this one. Because God is... And it's given us a calling. And, and what David is getting at, lest we take the wrong turn and turn away from that calling, there's a lot on the line for this. In fact, eternity is on the line in our calling in Jesus. Where is God leading you and directing you today? Well, I pray that we find a, a refinement of that direction today. Let's open God's Word and you turn to your, your worship folder if you want to open the worship Bible today. We're going to begin with verse 1. And we're going to go a little further than we read in, in uh, a moment ago um, as we stopped at verse 10. We're going to go a little further than that today. But we start with verse 1. And notice what David inspired to write these lyrics of music. He says, In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. For no one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. But shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Now, now so far, what David's getting at is, you know, shame comes when we turn from the path of God. When we are treacherous in the way we live. We, we don't really worry about where we're going. We just kind of, hey, it doesn't really matter. And I'll put this in perspective. Some years ago, I shared this story with you, when I was in high school, and, and the abbreviated version is, I, I was in a bike race, and I, I always wondered what it would be like to lead a bike race, so I, I gave it all I had to get to the front just to experience that, and, and the thing was, is I really liked it, and, and I kept riding, and, and as we were riding, we went through an intersection, and people started shouting and, and cheering, and I knew exactly what they were saying, like, wow, that guy's really fast, and, and I could hear him shouting behind me, and, and it got more and more quiet in the distance, and I'm thinking, I am breaking away from the pack. I am so fast. I am so strong. I am so in the zone. I, I can't wait to win. This, I never thought this would be possible, and, and, and then I, I went up a hill about a mile later, and, and I it was so quiet, I wanted to see how big of a lead I had. So I turned around and just looked over my shoulder, and I saw the intersection where all the people were cheering. And it was at that moment I realized that all the cyclists going through that intersection weren't going straight like I was. They were all turning. And that's when the understanding, the, the shouts and the cheers weren't cheers. They were people shouting, you're going the wrong way. I found that to be true many times in life, and I bet you have too. We get in a tunnel vision, we get caught up in what our agenda is, our way of thinking, our way of what we want that's going to satisfy our longings and our desires, and we don't really care what God has to say, we, we just kind of subliminally say, Lord, I, I'm going to do my thing, and maybe that for you is an attitude that is so, so discouraging to people around you. 
where you think your job in life is to point out what's wrong with everybody. And you got that tunnel vision that is beyond correction. People are saying, don't you think there's maybe other ways to consider? And I go, oh, no, it's this way. And, and you like to point out what's wrong with everything or what's wrong with everybody. Maybe your tunnel vision is an addiction to, to alcohol or, or to another substance or another habit that, that it's your escape in life. And, and you got tunnel vision around that. And you're like, this is my thing. And meanwhile, the family and friends are being hurt by it. And you're no longer listening. Maybe that addiction is work or busyness or worry. And you just are so overwhelmed by it that you don't even notice how you're off course anymore. David says those who live in that kind of tunnel vision, treacherous, without cause, he says, they're going to be put to shame. Shame comes on those who choose their own direction. But there's another path God gives us today. Notice what verse 4 says. David recognizes his need for direction. He says, show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my Savior and my hope is in you all day long. Not just for an hour on Sunday. No, my hope is in you all day long, not even for just nine hours on a bike ride. No, my hope is in you all day long, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. David saying, my hope may it be in you, Lord, because I am clueless when it comes to finding direction on my own. I put this in perspective. I, years ago, I remember learning about this, that kind of before a lot of technology and technological advances in training pilots uh, to fly planes through bad weather, they used to have a very simple way of, of teaching pilots um, that they could not trust themselves and their own judgment when it came to being in turbulence and things in the air. And, and the simple way they did it is they would blindfold the pilots in training, put them in a swivel chair, and then they turn the swivel chair around and round and round and round and round for several minutes and then invite them to stand up and walk. And the realization that each pilot would have that they had no idea which was left and right, what was up and down. They were so disoriented. And the lesson was clear. Trust the instruments. Don't trust your head. Don't trust your feelings. Trust the instruments. That which doesn't change. That which is clear and true. Because you aren't. Apply that to your walk with the Lord today. You know, since the fall into sin, uh, we've been messed up. Our, our ability to choose right and wrong and our ability in our sinful flesh to walk the paths of God is impossible. You don't have the ability to do it in the right way, in a holy way, a perfect way. Because our, our bearings are off. We're, we're confused. We're, we're, and some might feel like, oh, I want to do that. And you know what? It's not of God. But we're, we don't get it. We don't see it. We can't sense it. And our God says, trust the instruments. The instrument panel of God's word, his, his revelation to us as his people, his spirit that he's given us in a calling in him to be able to turn to him. That's why David's saying, Lord, teach me, show me, guide me in your truth, and teach me for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you. The instrument panel of God's revelation to David. David recognizes that need. But he goes on, he says, 
Remember, Lord, verse 6, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. I like to sometimes meditate on the Psalms, especially there's an ability to just spend time reading these words over and over again. And I, I remember years ago when I was meditating on Psalm 25 in this, these verses here and to realize the dif- differentiation David makes from, Lord, remember not my sin, but remember me. And how David is recognizing and begin to, beginning to realize as often can happen to us in tunnel vision and when shame kicks in and we feel guilt and overwhelmed by what we've done or what we've become, that we, we start to identify and say, well, that's who I am. <laughs> this is what I, 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 I do. This is what I'm wired up to look like. And, and we, we start to just fall into patterns and, and we start to think what we do and, and the mistakes we've made is who we are. And David says, may it not be. Lord, remember not my sin, but remember me. Differentiate that in my mind, in my heart, Lord. See me for who you've created me to be. Good and upright is the Lord, David points out. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. Years ago, I I learned this. Actually, in a counselor's office who shared this concept with me his first time, and I've seen it many times since then, is you know, there's something called the shame cycle, and you talk about a path that we can get caught up in in life, maybe dealing with our, our brokenness, dealing with uh, guilt or shame in our lives, and, and how uh, uh, counselors call it the shame cycle. And the way it works is if we want to avoid life or escape from life, what it may lead us to do is to act out in an ungodly way or to escape God in some habit or, or direction in our life. And the problem is because it's not of God, it, it, leads, us, it leads us to feel guilt and shame and that, that place of shame. And, and now we've gone from wanting to escape life and feeling yucky about ourselves to acting out in a way that leads to shame and guilt and and struggle, and, and, and what happens is for a lot of people is in that cycle as they're like, well, how do I get out of this? Well, the easier way to, to get out of it is to only act out again and you get into this shameful cycle. And a lot of addicts talk about that, that shame cycle being part of their life. And, and how do you break out of that? David tells us. Good and upright is the Lord. And he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. The humble doesn't say the proud, those who are in a tunnel vision. No, those who recognize they are broken, they are sinful, they have fallen short, they they don't have this self-guided direction down at all. It's, It's not working. And that moment of confession. You know, David in his life, what a great example of this. Here is one the scripture says is a a man loved by God. And yet, David, in his later life, in leadership, would fall in a huge way into sexual sin. And, and here's David confessing and recognizing already his need for God's saving grace and forgiveness. A God who breaks through the shame cycle into a new path of forgiveness and grace. A reborn identity found in him. Verse 10, he goes on and he says, For all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands 
of his covenant. Now, this might be confusing because you might say, well, wait a second. Isn't that the problem? I mean, God has laid out his Old Testament covenant. Do uh, honor the Lord your God with all your heart, your, all your soul, and all your mind, as Jesus would summarize, and love your neighbor as yourself, and, and then how those, those commandments are, are spelled out from uh, honoring our parents to not stealing, not murdering, even in our thoughts, not coveting not bearing false witness against our neighbors. And a lot of times we just say, yeah, hey, I, can't, I can't keep those. And, and why is God such a killjoy? I mean, isn't that the way to enjoy life? And you're just like, whoa, time out. God has given us his Old Testament law, his covenant, because he loves us. He knows that, that within the bounds of a direction in our life, by his leading, there is joy there. And the directional signage of the world would say otherwise. It'd say, no, no, turn elsewhere. No, but, but God says, no, hear me on this. I've given you this direction because I love you. But also in it is a recognition that we can't keep that covenant, can we? We, we fall short again and again. And even David recognizes that in this whole context. He says, you know, blessed are those that, that keep your covenant, but we fall short. All of us do. But Jesus doesn't. David, through messianic eyes, looks ahead to the future when God would come and keep that covenant perfectly in our place, even to the point of going the way of death for us. A true Savior who pays the price that our sins deserve. For the wages of sin is death, the scripture says. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's why David, through those messianic eyes, he says, for the sake of your name, Lord, Forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity. Their descendants will inherit the land. All these amazing promises fulfilled in God's people who find hope in his grace and his leading. They will spend their days in that prosperity. And then the Lord says, the Lord, or David says, the Lord confides in those who fear him. What a neat thought. As we walk the paths of life by the Spirit of God and His presence and His love and grace over us, that He even confides in us. I mean, this friendship the Lord builds with His people in a relationship. Confides in those who fear Him. He makes His covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only He will release my feet from the snare. Makes me think of our gospel reading today. Jesus is sharing these Incredible truths of why he has come and what he's come to do. And, and it's in that moment as he's sharing that he is the bread of life that brings eternal life for those who would feed on him and his word. And, and we find out that many of the disciples had doubts in that moment. Many of them even turned away from Jesus on that day because they said, this is a, this is a hard teaching. And Jesus turns to uh, the 12 and he says, how about you? Are you going to turn for me as well? And, and those words of Peter, it's like, who, who would we follow? Who would we go to? Where would we go? For Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. You have those words. You know, if only Jesus would spray directional signage on the pavement in front of us. Well, you know what? He does so much better than that. He gives us his presence. And he comes to be with us with his love and his grace through his word, through his sacrament. God is here not to just guide us, but to give us strength and the ability to see more clearly what his covenant and his desire is. In closing, I remember the story of this little girl, about five years old. She was riding her bike 
in London, in her neighborhood, and, and she took a few turns and she lost her way. She was completely lost, had no idea where she was. Clearly, her parents would have been ex- just terribly concerned, but this little girl had just pedaled off and, and was crying on the side of a road. A, a stranger found her and, and called the police officers. They came, and, and, and this little girl was so disoriented, she had no idea how to get home. And they asked her, like, well, do you know your last name? She couldn't even remember her last name. She was so confused. And do you know your address? Certainly she didn't know her address. Do you know your parents' name? And she, uh, she said, mom and dad are my parents' name. You know, and like, how are you going to get this girl home? And, and finally, she, they, she, they loaded her bike into the trunk of the, the police car and got her uh, and drove with her. They said, well, we're going to help get you home. And um, we'll figure this out. And as they were driving along, she lit up. She stopped crying. She says, show me the cross. And they said, excuse me, show me the cross and I know where my house is. And they knew what she meant. Uh, the Sharing Cross, this huge cross in, in, in London. She knew exactly from her house where the perspective was of that cross from where she lived. And once she saw the cross, she was able to tell the police officers where her house was. And she was able to go home. You know, God reminds us today to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith, the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame to sit down at the right hand of God so that we would not grow weary or lose heart. Can't imagine better direction than that and a better way to sing in joy of it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for music. Thank you for inspired lyrics of the journey and the direction that you provide us as sinful, broken people. We are clueless when it comes to direction on our own. We get that tunnel vision. We get that stubbornness going, Lord. We just want to try and figure it out on our own, and it's no wonder we are so filled so often with shame and guilt and doubts. But may you break through today to remind us that you are a God who gives us your grace and that directional signage in our life where the cross becomes visible in our minds and hearts today because you have called us, you have set us apart as your people and given us a calling and a direction with our lives to serve you and praise you and celebrate you as we sing songs of joy with all that we are and all that we do. Lord, lead us, guide us, teach us your ways as we celebrate the path. It's in your name we praise you. Amen.